number two on the test threw everybody off. But I'll give you the reason of why I put it up there. It probably was worded wrong. Um, the question I asked to, what was the purpose of the golden lampstand? We know the purpose of it was to give light in the holy place. And um, we talked about Exodus 25 um, verses uh, 31. It starts off with describing the golden uh, candlestick, uh, candlestick, the lampstand. And that's where you would get it from, the scripture that represents that. And I said, um, why was the golden lampstand made of pure gold? Did y'all have that on the test? Y'all didn't have that on the test. It's a lot on my left off. I should have put that one up there too. Anyway, we know that gold represents um, um, deity, and it also represents um, holiness too. So that's why they had gold in the most holy place, in the holy place. Um, also, we went over um, why did the cups have to be made like almonds? That's what your question should have said. And I put why was the cup shaped like almonds? It was close to it. And we talked about it was because the almond, it represents the first fruit that come in the winter. It was the first fruit. So then that next question I asked you, how did the almond tree represent Jesus? Because Jesus was the first fruit. So I did put that up there <laughs> because Jesus was the first fruit. And we know we got that from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, right? And we also got um, dealing with the almond tree, dealing with... Um, Aaron, starting with number 16, they was fussing about who should be priests. You know, they was fussing about Moses and Aaron. And God had them in number 17 to put 12 rods. And the first rod that bloomed, that brought forth almonds, was Aaron's. So we see how the almond tree um, bloomed first, and it was represented with Aaron being the high priest. So that's where that come from, dealing with the almond tree. And then I said, how did the light represent Jesus on the scripture? We, that was John what? Eight, 12, was it? And that showed that he was the light of what? The world. So we see that that candlestick brought light because the room was dark because there was no windows in that room. So we know that Jesus is the light of the world. And when we present him, we're bringing light in the midst of a dark world, right? So everybody understand, number two, why I said what I said. I knew I said what I said for a reason. And, and everybody was saying, I didn't hear that part. Y'all had me confused. <laughs> so that's why. But what I will do on number two, being that everybody didn't understand that question, I will omit that question. And I'll give you three questions that you have to make good on to pass. Amen. So we'll omit number two. So you only have three questions. So I'm not going to take another question away if you messed up the third one. So if you got it right, you're going to still get 100 either way. You get 100 either way once you get three right. I guess Kathy said, what if I don't get one of the other ones right? And I got that one right. Am I going to get credit for that one? I'll look it up and see how we can work it out. <laughs> we'll work it out. But I want you all to remember what we're doing. What we're doing is showing God's way of doing things. We're showing God's pattern and we're still in the tabernacle and everything in that tabernacle was made according to the way God wanted to be made. And God had Moses as the one that he was given the pattern to. So how does that refer to, refer to us as the body of Christ? 
he always have someone over you that he gives um, to that person how he want things carried out. That person would tell each leader how they want everything carried out, and that leader supposed to carry it out according to the pattern that God has given that person. Now, remember, his pattern is going to always line up with the word of God. It's not going to be outside of his word. That's why the Bible said the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. So when God give me something for this house, I'm getting it directly from God, but it's going to line up with the scripture and the way God want it done. It's not going to be outside of him. So when you look at our vision, dealing with the vision that God has given me, it is scripture based. So that's what we go on is making sure we follow the scripture and do what God will have us to do according to the vision that he has given me. So if I get out of line concerning the word of God and I'm trying to do it the way I want to do it, it's not going to work. This is why God told Moses, you have to follow my pattern. You have to follow my way of doing things because it's leading up to Jesus Christ. And as you follow my pattern, then I will be revealing my glory unto y'all through you following my way of doing things. If you notice in the body of Christ, when we do things God's way, God show up and he show out. He manifests himself through the obedience of the one that God has given it to. So this is why we have to trust him first and foremost in everything we do we just don't do it the way we think it need to be done. This is why when Moses went to the mountain and he began to pray and seek God, even when God gave him those commandments, Moses didn't take those commandments and put them like he wanted to put them. God wrote out those commandments on those stones and he said, this is what I want you to give the people. So once God gave them to Moses, Moses came down and he gave the commands unto the people. And that's how it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. Everything is after the pattern of God. And in the Old Testament, it was leading up to Jesus Christ. So everything that we have been talking about is leading up to Jesus Christ because he is the way unto the Father. So that's what he was showing them. They could not do anything outside of God's pattern. Why? It would not work. And guess what? If they did it in the Old Testament outside of his pattern, they would die. So thank God for Jesus. This is why we need to thank God for Jesus, because I'm going to be honest. It'll be a lot of people in the body of Christ dead because it's too many people trying to set up stuff God ain't told them to set up. If you notice, you'll see a lot of ministries all around starting out fast. And they'll say, this is what God told me to do. But then they come up with an excuse why it didn't happen. When God does something, it's going to always flourish. You may have some ups and downs, but as long as you follow his pattern of doing things, God will take a dollar and he'll make it a million. But you have to follow his way. And that's why you have a lot of people shutting doors because they're trying to find ways to raise money. They're trying to find ways to bring money in outside of what God is saying. The thing that we do is teach you from the word of God what the word says. And it's up to us to be obedient through what you're being taught. That's a pattern. So anytime you going outside of God's pattern, you're not going to get what God has already provided. Why? That's just like a, a child. If you tell a child to do something, they already, you already have what you have for that child. But if that child go outside of what you're telling them, even though you have it, you're going to say at this time, I cannot give it to you. 
Because if I give it to you and you're wrong, you're going to keep doing wrong and still looking to get something. Isn't that something? Have you ever seen selfish kids like that? Mm Mm-hmm. They'll keep messing up, and some parents keep giving them, keep giving them. So they feel like, I can mess up, I can get. That comes sometimes from rich kids. I can tear up a BMW. After a while, they're going to get me a better car. That's just the pattern that some people go on. But when you stick to the word of God and you stand on the word of God and you don't change just because, you know, you weren't about somebody liking you, then guess what? You're going to always see God's glory manifested in the midst. So we see how the lampstand, it would um, shine light in that room because there was no windows. But guess what it shined the light upon? And this is where we're going. It... um was shining the light upon the table of shoe bread, which is showbread. They call it in the Bible showbread. But that's what we're going to talk about now, the table of showbread. And we're going to be coming out of Exodus 25, 23 through verse 30. Exodus 25, 23 through verse 30. I don't know about you, but this teaching keeps me in check to make sure I'm doing everything according to God's um, pattern. And that's what we should do on a daily basis is to say, God, I want to fulfill your will and not my own. That's what Jesus said. Not my will, God, but your will. Let it be done. So as long as we're in the word of God and we're doing it according to the word, y'all, we won't miss it. We'll get what the word has already provided. So in Exodus 25, um, 23 through 30, this is talking about the table of showbread, and it's given the description, it's given the height, the cubit, the breadth thereof, you know, and the height. It's given what it was overlaid in, which was gold, and so it's telling you about this table of showbread, what the table's made of. You get that from Exodus 25, 23 through verse 30. Exodus 25, 23 through verse 30 that's telling you what the table was made of now what was the purpose of the table of showbread the purpose of the golden table was to hold 12 cakes of bread they were placed there in two rows of six each loaf representing one of the tribes of Israel there were 12 loaves on that table loaves of bread and they were split into two rows Um, one row had six and one row had another six which equaled 12 so it represented the 12 tribes of Israel the purpose of the golden table was to hold 12 cakes of bread and those 12 cakes represent Israel the tribe of Israel now I want to go somewhere even with um, the um, table what it was made of it was made of wood And this wood that it was made of represented the humanity of Jesus Christ. It was made overlaid with gold, and the gold, again, represents his deity, right? Represents his glory. Now, remember, we're in the holy place, so that everything in the holy place is going to be made of gold. It's going to be made of gold. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is the bread that was on the table. Anytime we talk about something, we want to have scripture to back up the bread on the table. You'll find that in Leviticus 24, verse 5 through verse 9. Leviticus 24, verse 5 through verse 9. 
This is telling you um, how they should make the bread, what the bread is made of. It's um, telling you about um, how the bread was placed upon the table for Aaron and his sons to eat. And it said in this, too, that they had to do this continually um, before the Lord. So I want to give you those scriptures again because I'm going to give you what these things represent for us and how they represented Jesus. First of all, what the table is made of is coming out of Exodus 25, 23 through verse 30. That Those verses are telling you what it's made of. Remember, the wood represents Jesus' humanity. The gold represents his deity, which the wood was overlaid with gold. The bread on the table, we know um, Leviticus 24, 5 through 9, tell you what that bread was made of. And it also tell you that that bread had to be on that table um, every Sabbath. It had to be changed. So every seven days, that bread had to be changed. It had to be fresh. But it said that um, in verse 8, every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually being taken from the children of Israel by everlasting covenant. That's Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. So let's talk about uh, what did the table represent. Now I said the purpose of the table, but let's talk about what did that table represent. When we look at that table, and it's overlaid with gold, that table represents fellowship. And I'm going to tell you about um, fellowship. Y'all know that when you go home, supposedly, this is what we're supposed to do as families. A table is set before us. You know, that's why you have a breakfast table. That's why you have a dining table, right? Y'all know you have your breakfast table. You have a dining table. Some people have their bar with stools, right? We consider that a table. The family come around that table, they sit at that table, and that's a time of fellowship because you're sitting down for a meal. You're coming together as a family to fellowship. So that table was representing fellowship with God. You can put down this scripture in Genesis 18, verse 1 through verse 8. Genesis 18, verse 1 through verse 8. This is when... Um, What's his name? Abraham was visited by those angels. It was um, three of them that uh, the angels of the Lord, they come to Abraham. And guess what Abraham did first of all? He bowed before them. And the reason why, because one of them represented God. He bowed before those angels. And the next thing he was ready for is for them to wash their hands and their feet. He said, come and let's fellowship. How was he telling them the fellowship? He was making up bread for them to come and eat with him. That's what fellowship is. So that's the scripture that's telling you in the Old Testament, they will fellowship with bread. They will come together and they will eat bread. That's fellowship coming together. So let me give you another scripture. I'm just giving you scriptures to back it up. Um, Revelations 3.20, I like this one. He said, behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him, and he with me. See, that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm knocking on the doors of your heart. And if anyone would open the door and let me in, he said, I will come and sup with you. I will come and fellowship with you. I will come and eat with you. So when we look at that table, 
that's in that tabernacle. God is saying, I want to fellowship with you. I want to commune with you. And they also call that table a bread of presence because the bread was continually before God's face. They called it a bread of face too because it was continually before God. If you notice back in Leviticus 24, um, when they were saying put it continually before God, Remember, they would change it out every Sabbath, so it was seven days. The bread would be changed. But look at this as how it's supposed to be for us. We come in church on Sunday, and as we come in church on Sunday to be fed, I want you to catch it, we're going to eat off that food for seven days. When we come back in on that seventh day, we're going to get some fresh bread. Y'all get it? So you don't just not eat what you got. You take that and you eat off that for seven days. That's how those priests did. They ate that bread, but they never got stale food. Where am I going? That bread was, had to be eaten. And then after those seven days, they put fresh bread down before the face of God, before the presence of God. When you enter that tabernacle, you were in the presence of the Lord. Remember the laver that was outside before you even entered the presence of the Lord, you had to be cleansed, didn't you? you? And what cleansed you? The word of God. But once you enter into his presence, you clean. Is that not right? The priest couldn't go in there, not unless they were clean. It still took the word to do what? To cleanse them. But once they got in there and they saw that golden lampstand, which gave light because the room was dark, we know that Jesus is the light of the world. Then it was shown, shining unto that bread, it was given light, right? And that bread sitting on that table, the table represent fellowship and with God, because he said, I want to commune with you. I want to fellowship with you. So the bread had to be made out of what God wanted it to be made out of. One thing that was poured on that bread was frankincense. And frankincense had a sweet aroma before God. So can you imagine you in the presence of the Lord and everything that he told them to do, they were being obedient to what he was asking them to do. They changed out the bread, so they were getting fresh bread on that next Sabbath day. This is what God wants us to do as a church. You don't come into the house of the Lord just to come into the house of the Lord just to sit there and look pretty. You come into the house of the Lord. Remember we say Sunday, you ready to hear what God has to say unto you. This is the thing. Even though you heard what he said, God's going to know if you really heard him, if you really believed him, because you're going to start doing it. You're going to start living it. You're going to start applying it. So when you come back in here the next Sunday, you can't wait to the next Sunday because you said, I'm getting some more fresh bread. I'm getting something else that I need. And the more you keep doing that and doing that, you are getting so full of him that when the enemy come in to attack you with offense, with any other thing, you're so full of this fresh bread that you ain't even bothered by what nobody think or what nobody say. Y'all, isn't this good? I can tell who's stale. Because when you're always complaining, you're always wondering, and you're saying, me, 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 you're making it about you. If it was about you, all us be dead. It was about him and what he done on our behalf. This is what God wanted to represent to Israel. He wanted them to see, this is what I have done on your behalf. The only thing you have to do is follow my pattern. Follow what I'm asking you to do. But see, I'm seeing 
So many people getting out of the order of God's pattern, then they get mad at people who's keeping his order and saying they're wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. But when we continually stand on what the word is saying, people are going to know where the light is. We're supposed to be like a city that sits upon a hill and it shines a light for the whole world to see. So this is um, dealing with the bread. And we said the table represent the fellowship and how he want a fellowship with us. How did the table of showbread represent Christ? That's where we're going. And I talked about this a little bit. Jesus is the what? The bread of life. He is the bread of life. Remember in the desert, in the wilderness, God had manna coming from heaven. Those people had exactly what they needed, just falling from heaven. You remember the scripture that says in John, is it John um, 1.14? Is it, let me make sure. Y'all haven't been over this stuff so much, I don't want to miss it. Anyway, it says that the word became flesh. Is that John 1.14? And dwelt who? Among us. Think about it. They had manta coming from heaven. And they got tired of it. Look at who we have. And we act like we get tired of him. Why would I say that? Because we're not doing what the word tells us to do. We're complaining instead of taking the word for ourselves. The word became flesh, y'all, and lived amongst us to carry out what God wanted him to carry out. That was God himself. He walked amongst us, and while he was amongst us, we had bread from heaven. We had everything that we needed. But people didn't want to accept this bread. How do I know? Look at John 6, 35. And this is what Jesus was telling unto them, saying unto them. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that come to me shall never hunger. And he that believe on me shall never thirst. And then he goes on to say, and um, yeah, that's like verse 35. He that comes to me will never thirst. So when we come to Jesus, when we come to that light, that it spells darkness. Guess what? We're never going to be hungry. We're never going to be thirsty because we're taking part of him. And then when we look at John 6, 51 through 58, John 6, 51 through 58, he said, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Jesus was breaking this down to him. And this is what the Jews said. He said this among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eat my flesh and drink my blood dwell in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. So look how many times Jesus said, I'm the bread that comes down for heaven. That will give you eternal life. He kept repeating this. And, that, and if you don't eat of my flesh, you're not going to have eternal life. 
So that means for us, just like he was in that tabernacle and that bread was sitting there before those priests and the priest was the only one that could eat that bread, God made it a way through Jesus Christ where we can eat that bread of life through him and we can stand before the Father. Jesus sat down though, he didn't have to stand no more. So we can sit down and we can be at rest because we know already what the bread of life done for us so jesus in that tabernacle he represented that bread he said i am the bread of life in that very same chapter his disciples the ones that was following him say this is a hard saying they left him and y'all remember peter said he jesus asked peter and them he said the 12 are y'all gonna leave me too they say where do we go you're the one with eternal life come on they got a revelation didn't he do you see a lot of people when they're getting this bread the word the true word which is sanctifying them setting them apart they, they get amongst a crowd in the church that tell them you don't have to live by that you don't have to do that and they end up leaving the church because they get offended by something that was said See, that's what the enemy want. Those disciples left Jesus. They supposed to have been followers of Jesus. But when Jesus told them something, it was like, I ain't eating of your flesh. That's just too hard for us to understand. They were carnally minded. They were not heavenly, any heavenly good. So what we have to do when we take the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit to illuminate us and to enlighten us concerning the word. The worst thing that you can do, and I'm going to be honest with y'all, if you're not in this word for yourself and know what the word is saying to you, you can go on websites, you can turn on the television, and you can hear somebody speaking the word, but it's not truth. And you would take that as truth because you ain't been into the word yourself and you haven't gotten enlightened. Y'all, it's people on Facebook making false accusation with the word and they ain't even in a church up under leadership. They're not submitting to leadership. That means if they're not submitting to anyone, they ain't submitting to God because God tell you to submit to leadership. So you cannot agree with stuff just because somebody say, I'm a pastor and they put a little note on Facebook and you telling people, here, you need to listen to this. When you ain't even in the word yourself personally, that is not going to give you the life from that. Because if you have not been with him, you're going to take the first thing you get because it sound good. And I'm going to tell you, they'll sound as good as you want them to sound. But their lifestyle is like a windshield wiper. And if you don't know them or hadn't gotten to know them, you will think what they're saying is truth. This is why you have to know the bread of life for yourself. And once you get to know him and he's indwelling you, guess what? The Holy Spirit is not going to allow you to accept anything that don't testify to the word, which is Jesus. He said, I only testify to the truth. So you have to make sure you know what truth is, because if you don't, you're going to take the first thing that's talking and they're going to put you in a place that you're going to be out of place and you're not going to see the manifestation of God. So Jesus was, um, the bread represented Jesus. Now let's talk about how does this table represent the church? How does the table represent the church? Y'all, all of this is coming together. Remember we talk about fellowship, right? 
We talk about a coming together. God want to commune with us. He want to fellowship with us. Guess how God does that, y'all? In the book of Hebrews, it says, do not forsake. Huh? So what are we doing when we come together? We're fellowshipping what? One with another. What does that help? It helps us to commune, right? And God is the one that bring us together. Jesus is the one that bring us together. This is why, y'all, you do not have, um, how can I put it, saved folk and sinners coming together. You may have a sinner come into the house of God, but they do not join the church and not save. That's not right. Why? Because they're not believing the same thing you believe in. So how can they be a part of what you're doing? You have so many people allowing people to sign membership and they don't even know Jesus Christ. But they just want to be a part of what you're doing to say, this is my church. So that's why they have to be taught. But another scripture is Acts 2, 42. I want y'all to catch this. Remember in Acts 1, Jesus spoke about the kingdom for about 40 days with his disciples. After he spoke of the kingdom, he went to be with the Father. But before he went with, to be with the Father, he told them, basically, this is what you need. You need to be endued with power from on high. So we know they had to go into the upper room. They had to go into Jerusalem. He said, if you're not endued with this power, then you cannot be what? Witnesses unto me. So they did what Jesus told them to do. After they did this and they got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Peter began to do a sermon. And as he done that sermon, it was speaking of who? Jesus Christ. And as he began to speak, their hearts were pricked and they wanted to know what can we do to be saved. Y'all know all of that, right? But after all of them got saved, this is the key. In Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Do you get it? This is what fellowship is. When you come into a church that you say God is planting you in, and that's the church that God wants you to be in, that's who you're in fellowship with. That's what you continue up under that same doctrine. You do not be like a bird flocking from one place to another when people teach different things. Some people may teach false doctrine. So let's say you come to Miracle Temple on first and second Sunday, and you already made plans on uh, third and fourth Sunday to go somewhere else. Well, I'm going to split it up. I'm going to join Miracle Temple, but I'm going over here. You're going to be a confused person because if the person that you're going to is not teaching what you're getting in the church that you join, you're going to be confused and you're going to be trying to figure out, okay, let's say if I'm teaching the pattern of the church, I'm telling you how things are supposed to be. You go to another church and they say, well, you're the church. And this is how we set things. You just go by this right here. See what that say? That's what you go by. You don't need all of that. Do you know who you are? So they feed you all of those lines and they put you to work in the church. This is what mess up the church. People put people to work and they don't even go into the Bible. They don't even come to church on time. They don't even pay their tithes. They don't do what the church supposed to do according to the word, but they'll stick them on the choir. People are happy as long as you let them come in and out like they want to. I want to ask y'all this question. Have you seen any job that lets you come in and out when you want to, 
and you still got a job. Somebody tell me, anybody worked on a job where you clock in one day at 8, Tuesday you clock in at 9, Wednesday you clock in at 10, and Thursday and Friday you don't come at all, and you still got that job. If you do, man, they must love you. Have anybody got a job that you have not gotten a benefit packet or got a packet that show you how that organization run? Anybody? If you haven't, something's wrong. You must be out there in the field. And even if you're out there in the field, they tell you how they want you to do in that field. And if you don't do like they tell you to do in that field and you messing up what they looking at, they're going to throw you out the field. Is that not right? People think they can come in the church and pick and choose what they want to do just because they got a little bit of money or just because they think they can do it better than somebody else. You ain't going to do that on no job. You're going to go by order. You're going to go by what they have set up, and they're going to make sure that you know all of these rules because they're going to be watching you, and they're going to check you on that. How many know um, some jobs there say after what? 90 days. After 90 days, you might get some benefits, right? Might get some benefits after 90 days. So they even have stipulations on that. But now they got it on these jobs. They can fire you and for no cause. No reason. You may walk in on Monday, come back on Tuesday, say, we don't need you no more. Ain't nothing you can do. Is that, but how many know Jesus ain't like that? This is why we have to follow his pattern. And if you have not been called... As a pastor, you ain't going to know how to run a church. Because when God called you to something, we're going to get to this with the pattern of the church. He anoints you how to handle it. But if he have not put you up under that call, you cannot tell the pastor, this is what I would do. And the pastor is crazy. What you say I need to do with Sister Deborah now? What you say? This is what I would do with her. You keep having trouble out of her. I throw out the church. And the pastor say, well, now she's a good titer. She's a real good titer. Well, I know she's a good titer, but she causing too much trouble. God got another ram in the bushes. She keep running her mouth, throw out the church. Gossip is a sin. And the pastor listened to what they telling them. But the person should be telling the pastor what to do. God is giving the pastor what he wanted him to do. Think about it, y'all. When God put somebody in place, he done prepared them through the years to be put in place. You know what I tell people? I never forget this, y'all. We setting up the church, the building, like God wanted it. And this is funny. Before we even got the keys to the building, when I first walked in here and looked at it, God already showed me. The colors, everything. Show me everything with the thing. So we sitting up there doing everything. The person stood right back there by that sound room and said, well, this is what I'll do. I said, when God give you a church, then you do it. This is calm, spoken in love. They ain't said nothing else. You know why? Because I don't listen to man. I listen to what God tell me to do. The moment you listen to man, you getting out of the way. He wants you to do things. Now, some things that God give people to do, it looks crazy. It looks like it, don't it, Jennifer? Y'all remember that blow-up building, Shirley, we went into? It would blow up, and some people were saying, I can't believe she brought us in some mess like this. But guess what? God showed me the picture. 
He said, the same way this building is tore up, that's how y'all were before Jesus stepped in. And he said, because of Jesus, you are a new creation. He said, so the same way I did you when it came to Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, that's how this building is going to be. And y'all, we renovated that building. And some of us didn't know how to do carpentry work, didn't know how to cork stuff, didn't know how to use a saw, none of that. And we come together and God had different people set out to do different things. And I'm picking on Shirley over there. We left her in the back room and we got instructions on how to take stuff and stick it up there in them holes, newspapers and putty over it to cover up the holes. So I walked around there where Shirley was. Shirley up there just putting. And it kept falling down. I said, Shirley, go again. She putting. And finally Shirley looked up there and said, dog. <laughs> I guess she was ready to give up. But she didn't give up. It was because of what God anointed people to do for the project that he had given us to do. It was his way of doing. And as long as we followed his way of doing, guess what, y'all? It worked. We had no problem. So this is why we have to follow the order that God gives for the church. And he's just not going to give anybody his order. He had to prepare them. Look at how David was anointed to be king, but he didn't become king right then. David had to be prepared for kingship. We got too many people being prophesied to, telling people what they are. He may tell you who you are at the time, whether it's pastor, whether it's evangelist, teacher, whatever, but he's going to prepare you for where he's taking you. It is very um, uh, unusual for God to tell somebody they're a teacher and let them teach and ain't never been in the word. Did that line up? He got to see how faithful you are of going into the word for yourself before you can teach anybody else. He's not going to make nobody a pastor and you can't even manage your own money. So how are you going to manage the church money when you can't even manage your own? So if y'all look at the pattern of the church and who's over you and you watch their lifestyle, that's who I want to be under. That's who I want to sit up under. I don't want to sit up under no crook. That's just out for themselves. See, that's why you watch how a person live, how a person um, carry themselves, how a person is going to handle this situation when it looked like it ain't no money in the bank. Thank you, Jesus. How you going to handle that when it ain't no money there for payroll, when it looked like it's the lights or the payroll? What you going to do? You going to let lights go out? See, that's how you watch to see who you up under because what they're going to do, they're going to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I remember Creflo Dollar said this. It was funny, though. He got a report that his church was going up under. It was going under. They didn't have money to do this or that. He said he was so worried. He didn't want to talk to nobody. He didn't want nobody to say nothing to him because they didn't have money um, at the church. So what he did, he said, I went and got by myself. And I said, Lord, you gave me this church. He said, my dependency is on you. It's not on me. I don't have that kind of money, but I'm trusting you. He said, after he prayed, the accountant, Jennifer, that told him he was going under, said, I'm so sorry. I looked at the numbers wrong. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> Had the man worry. But he went to the father, and he got some peace, and come back with another report. That's why we got to seek the Lord, why he can be found. Y'all, we've been in the red. Woo, 
That man sitting over there, he'll call me. He's saying, well, he called me Manda, y'all. <laughs> well, Manda, uh, i never forget it. When he first come off his job, God was testing me. He said, well, Manda, um, we need this money for these bills. And ain't no money in the bank. And he said, and I checked our bank, and ain't none in there either. I said, I could have told you that. <laughs> I'm just being honest. So I was out there in my little office. I was out there. And he, he left me alone. I guess he said, well, she ain't saying nothing. I sure ain't saying nothing to you. I sat there, and I said, Father, you gave this ministry to me, and you know what this ministry needs before we got in this need. I ain't got time to worry about this. I got Bible study I got to go to, and I'm out here studying for Bible study. So, God, I put this in your hands. I rolled this over to you. I went back to studying. Y'all, after that, not long after that, he gets a call. And Somebody said, could you come up here for a minute? I need to see you for a second. So he went up there. He said, I'll be right back. I said, okay. He come back in the house. He said, guess what? I said, what? He said, I didn't get one check. I got two. I got one to cover the ministry, and I got another one to say, do what you need to do with it. See, I'm going to tell y'all something. You better know who you follow, because when I say the church ain't got it. I'm going to be honest with you. The church don't have it, but I know a father who can. And he always work it out. But you got to follow his pattern. Now remember this too. In that second building, I'm talking about following what God tell you to do. Y'all, everything God told us to do with that building, I'll never forget. We didn't have the money. But everything he said, we trusted God and said, we're going to get it up to the towel and everything. And I remember that it was one area we needed carpeting. And I said, well, Lord, we need this amount of money to get us some carpet. And we had to have all of this stuff done before inspections or we couldn't have church. And I said, Lord, you know we're going to have church every Sunday. We ain't never had not had church. So I'm putting this in your hands because I'm doing what you said. This is no lie. 11 Somebody said, how much you say your carpet was? I told them, they said, go pick it out. And go ahead and pick it up. I'll pay for it. So after that, the inspector told us, I'm going on vacation. And if you don't finish up this right here, then you're going to have to close it down because everything has to be done right. Harold gave me the information. I sat right there and started continually to put towel down. I said, God, you said it. Next thing I know, y'all, I turn around, and here's the inspector behind me. He signed us off. He said, I'm going on vacation. That's okay. Why? Because it was God's doing, and it was marvelous. See, this is why, y'all, I'm telling you, as a body of believers, when we follow his way of doing things, now in Acts 2.42, getting back to that, it said, and they continued. What do continued mean? steadfastly what does that mean didn't stop in the apostles doctrine who doctrine did it say anybody else's and it said and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers is there go that bread y'all this is how you break bread what are we breaking right now bread we're in what fellowship who doctrine are you up under Wow, what's up, y'all? But they said they continued in it steadfastly. That means you don't stop. That means you don't pick and choose. If you continually, 
and um, be steadfast in something, you're going to see some results sooner than later, right? You can't be hitting and missing and choosing when I want to come to church, when I want to come to Bible study. By the way, is there anybody in here pick and choose when they want to go to work? Do anybody pick and do anybody call their job and say, well, I'm sorry, I just can't make it today. I just can't make it. I might be there tomorrow. And they'll say, no, don't worry about it. We don't do that, do we? Because we know what we have to do. Here go another scripture, Matthew 26. We're still talking about bread. Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Communion, y'all. This is what this is talking about. Remember that the disciples, the followers of Jesus Christ was following him, right? On up to um, his crucifixion. Jesus was showing them right there with communion about the bread and about the wine. Y'all, this is why we come together on every second Sunday for communion, right? We're communing. We're fellowshipping. We're breaking bread. We're, we're drinking the, the wine, which we drink the grape juice. Why? Because we're representing Jesus. It's bringing us into remembrance of what Jesus done on our behalf. That's communing. That's fellowshipping. That's coming together to keep us in communion with God, to keep us in fellowship, to keep us in remembrance of what God is doing. So when the disciples followed Jesus Christ, guess what? He was the bread of life. And guess what the key is, y'all? Nothing missing. Nothing broken. They always had everything they need because they were following who? Jesus Christ. Provision was already um, was made for them. So when we look at the bread in the tabernacle, God was letting the, tri- the 12 tribes of Israel know. He said, you're going to always have what you need. You're going to always have it as long as you stay in communion with me, as long as you stay in fellowship with me. You're going to always have bread from heaven. You're going to always have everything that you need. Look, they didn't go hungry in the wilderness, did they? Because God made sure that they were fed. Y'all think about it. If we feed on this word continually, not just when we feel like it, think about it. When things come up in our lives, what's the first thing that's going to be brought back to our remembrance from the Holy Spirit, the word, and that settles it. Why? Because the word is forever settled in heaven. So when you go before him and when you have in different situations, that's why you say, Holy Spirit, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. Guess what his job is? Just to remind you of what the word says. He's only going to testify on what the word has already spoken unto you. And this is how we stay in fellowship. This is how we commune. This is how we stay in unity. Do you know the church should not have strife? It shouldn't have offense. We should all be communing one with another. We should all be on the same accord with the same mind. Why? Because if we're in the word the way we're supposed to be, when things come up, we will humble ourselves. We will submit to the authority that God has put over us. You may not like some things that I say. You may not like how I do it, but you should trust me enough to know whatever I do, I'm going to do it according to the word and not according to me. Because I found out, y'all, it don't work according to me. It only works according to this word. Anytime a person asks for counsel, the first thing I say when I say hello and they say apostle, in my mind I'm saying, Holy Spirit, help me with this telephone call. I don't even know what they're going to say. 
Holy Spirit, you got to help me. Or if I hear a familiar voice, I know you got to help me with this one. Because at this point, I want to hang up the phone. I ain't just the truth. You want to hang up the phone because you know that some calls is foolishness. Nothing but foolishness. But the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, will show you how to handle what needs to be handled. That's why there was breaking bread. Can you imagine if each household in here, not only on Sundays, but went home and broke bread together, got into the word of God together, got into prayer, stayed in fellowship and communion. When you come into the house of God, it won't be no struggle. You're going to be ready because you're going to say, I want some fresh manna. I want some bread from heaven. God, I want to hear what you have to say. Last scripture, 1 John 1, 3. 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. Isn't that something? And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So when we take what we have learned, when we take what we have heard, because we're in communion and we're in fellowship together, and we give it to other people, and they accept what we're bringing, then that makes them being what? Fellowship, not only with us, but with God and with Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So that uh, table of showbread had meaning, not only representing Jesus, but it represents us today. So what I'm saying to you is, when you have somebody over you that's in authority, and you may just be coming into the church, this is the kicker too. Some people may have been part of traditional churches. When you come into a non-denomination church, one that's going by the pattern of God, his way of doing things, you can't just come up in there and bring tradition and think that people are going to do things the way that you used to do them. What you have to do, you have to sit in there and get taught the way that church is teaching in order for you to come into fellowship and communion with that church because you steady breaking bread. And this is why some people try to tell somebody how to do something, but guess what? If you ain't in the word and know what the word is saying, that's coming from your flesh. It has to come through the word of God. So we want to follow the pattern of the church. Now, after we leave this tabernacle and we go into the New Testament, all of it is going to come together. And I thank God for it coming together because, y'all, it's no struggle with God. It's no struggle. And if we know how things are supposed to be, we will keep our mouth shut. We wouldn't be trying to tell somebody, I don't believe God told you that. Come on now. I remember years ago I had shared with this person because um, I had a particular person. And the reason why I can share these things with y'all, because sometimes we can miss things, you know, trying to put people somewhere we shouldn't put them. So I had somebody um, teaching And the person that I had teaching, I just got a tug and a pull with this person. I'm like, Lord, what are you showing me? And I had to stop and say, Lord, what are you showing me with this particular person? So God gave me a dream. And in the dream, the Lord showed me two of this person. And he showed me the person was not right. And he showed me you're going to have to cut out that person from doing what they're doing. Now, y'all don't even think about, you know, who it is. This was several years ago. Some people trying to say, well, who was it? Was it me? (laughs) But anyway, they were teaching, and the Lord told me to set them down. So what I did, I had um, spoke with someone, and 
I was sharing with them what the Lord was telling me to do because that person and this person was close. And they told me, the Lord ain't told you that. That's what they said. I said, yes, he did. And I didn't fuss with him. But you won't see them teaching no more. I said, we would just have one study and this one won't be separate. Guess what, y'all? I left it alone because I already knew what I was going to do. Let me tell you something. That person who told me, the Lord ain't told me that. They found out that that friend that they had was living a double life. Living a double life. See, God's going to show his leader. And he showed me before it got too far out there so something would not divide the church. Another instant was I had something else going on. And I didn't feel right about this either. <laughs> Gentlemen might remember this. We were having intercessory prayer. And the Lord was telling me stuff wasn't right in intercessory prayer. We had more people and that's supposed to be interceding for people crying for themselves more than they were crying out for the people. I said, what, Lord, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I said, shut that down too. I shut that down and the person that was over it, we ain't seen them no more, but their lifestyle have changed. Let me tell y'all something. Don't come up against God. Don't think you know something that you don't know. Anything that you don't understand, get understanding. And when your leader give you the understanding, you need to leave it alone. Because you're not messing with me, you're messing with God and his way of doing things. That's when you go into rebellion. So that's why sometimes we may start out and think we're right. But if you seek the Lord, the Lord will show you what's amongst you that's not right, that need to be shut down. And that's what I do. So this is why we're teaching on the order of the church. Any leader that's in leadership and the Lord has given them something, you can't say that ain't God. That's rebellion. You coming against that leader. That leader is following what God is saying. It will work. But sometimes the enemy will have rebellious people to try to stop the work that God has set forth for that leader. And that's where prayer come in at. So we'll get to the next um, piece of furniture in the holy place y'all don't know about you but it's good it's good i was telling somebody on the phone today i said if i put all them scriptures out there today they're gonna be mad y'all i had a lot of them because it was feeling so good to me i'm just a typing i said no i ain't gonna do that <laughs> i said i'm just gonna give enough to make let everybody see about um the table of, of showbread so i pray that through this teaching you will go back and you will meditate on these scriptures. And I'm going to tell you, God will give you more scriptures to add to it for yourself to enlighten you even the more. But you got to take time, y'all, to meditate. You got to take time to get it for yourself. I'm going to tell you why. What you don't understand, the enemy come take. He'll steal it. And if he steal it from you, he's waiting to cause division in the church because some people want to set up the church like they're setting up their lives carnally mindedly. You can't go on with some, and, and some people do this. They'll go ask another pastor, well, what do you think about this right here? Let me, let me ask you a question. I, I, I ain't saying nobody doing it. You done told a story right there. I ain't saying nobody doing it, but I just want to ask you about this right here because it just didn't hit me right, and you waiting on them to agree with you. But you know what I do? I said, what did your pastor say? 
Well, 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 um, you need to go ask your pastor and see what your pastor say. Submit to what your pastor. Well, I don't think they're right. Well, okay, that's between you and your pastor, but I'm not getting in the middle of you and your pastor. Submit to your pastor. Is that who you under? Yeah, that's who I'm under, but they don't do blah, 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 blah. I said, why are you still there then? If nobody's submitting to a pastor, why are you still in the congregation? Because you're being a little devil. That's why. You in there toting news out to try to hinder that church. Y'all, he that have ears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. We give God glory. Amen. Do we have any announcements?